And Peter, would you like to just, thanks for coming on, would you like to tell the viewers a little bit about yourself first and your, what, how you've got into this work? Sure. I, uh, I, I, I'm kind of an autodidact polymath and uh, I was a computer science major in college and I dropped out of college and became a fashion photographer and I did that for quite a few years and wound up uh, building a lot of the first generation internet websites, including uh, the, fir the first entertainment website on the internet, uh, on, on the World Wide Web, uh, thexfiles.com. And then I went on to work for, uh, for uh, Steven Spielberg at a company called Gameworks, and then uh, uh, Virgin, Richard Branson, I ran e-commerce there for a while. And uh, around, 19, uh, around 2010, I ran into Andrew Breitbart, who um, was uh, chanting his politics is downstream from uh, culture mantra. And having been an ex-photographer, I started uh, paying more attention to the way that media was shaping people's perceptions. Um, and that led me into kind of a journalism track, which I did for uh, a few years, where I really started to understand that uh, uh, what we know as the discipline of journalism uh, is really just kind of a mind control mechanism which uh, led me to this point where um, I have been researching a book that I call Reframing Reality, and I'm playing on the idea that photographers, you know, take a camera and they move it from one frame to another uh, in order to change the idea that people who are looking at the photograph uh, have about whatever it is that they're looking at, and realized that uh, the news and media and things like that are also uh, being used to do that. Uh, which led me to an author named Douglas Reed, who wrote a book called The Controversy of Zion. And uh, Reed was referencing a book uh, called uh, The Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion, uh, which is a, a, a forbidden text. It's something that you're not supposed to read. You're not supposed to, in polite company, tell people that you have read it. And uh, having uh, worked uh, as a consultant for the Shoah Foundation Institute and the Simon Wiesenthal Center, I thought, well, I, sh I, I should have enough protection. I should be able to just pick this thing up and read it. Um, and uh, one of the things that Reed did uh, it, that kind of intrigued me was that he removed all of the cultural um, uh, artifacts out of the book. He kind of did a little sleight of hand, a, a, a word trick. And uh, he took out all the cultural references uh, in an exposition that he did. Um, and after I got done uh, reading the book, I thought that I could use GPT uh, to do the same thing. And so I normalized uh, the, the, the text. I took all of the cultural references out of it, and then I ran it through GPT in order to update the language to something that people in the 21st century could read and understand. And that's what brought me here. So what's your definition of the power elite? Uh, the power of the elite are the, uh, are the kind of the people behind the, the scenes at the top of the power pyramid who are, who are pulling the strings. Um, we, we, we largely don't know their names. Uh, I heard you asking Jay the, the, the question. I, I think Larry Fink's boss would probably be a, a good definition. I, I don't think that the people whose names that we know, Henry Kissinger and Larry Fink and Jamie Diamond and all of the usual suspects, I, I don't think that those people are actually at the top, but I, I think that they do all have bosses. Okay, viewers, if you've got any questions for Peter, please put them in the chats. His links are all in the description box, book, etc. If you wanna check out his work and support him. 
And what direction, Peter, do you see the power elite steering us in 2024? Uh what direction do I think that they're steering us? Well, I think, you know, going along with Jay, I think that they have several scenarios planned at this point. If you understand, if you read my book, um, which again is a interpretation of something that was writ published in 1903, that was widely uh, claimed to be plagiarized. I, I believe it was plagiarized, but that doesn't uh, take away from the veracity of many of the predictions that they make, is that they want one world government. Uh, that they uh, want to create World War III uh, specifically with a, a battle between the Muslim world and the rest of the world as the excuse um, uh, in order to, uh, in order to uh, collapse the current nation states into the one world government that they've created as the UN. Uh, and they have various machinations for doing that. I think uh, the flooding of uh, foreign nationals into all of the Western countries right now is kind of a um, setting the table, as it were, for this uh, international civil war that I think that they're they're setting up, which will be uh, between uh, uh, kind of a fake Islam and the West. I think that that's probably the scenario that I see. Is that counterproductive for themselves, though, in an age of mutually assured destruction by nuclear weapons? Uh, not if they have their survival strategies uh, set up and uh, put aside. I mean, uh, they, they've done this before. I think that we've gone through World War One and they survived. We've gone through World War Two and they survived. I think that they, if they're planning it, they know where to not be. And a a, a famous uh, a professor at uh, Sandhurst, a guy named John Keegan, said, um, "It's it's it's quite simple to survive wars if you know where to not be." Um, and I think that that's probably uh, the strategy that they have. I mean, Peter Thiel, for example, has a basically an underground bunker in New Zealand, uh, you know, and there's a lot of uh, bunker knowledge. I live in the Pacific Palisades, uh, which is, uh, you know, a Tony enclave in uh, in Los Angeles where the people who make movies live. You know, my neighbors are like Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks and people like that. And I can tell you that every... Um, house that's been built in my neighborhood in the last three years has a double basement. And for people who don't live in Southern California and don't understand that, people in California don't build houses with basements. Like, it's not a normal thing. And so to build houses with double basements is kind of a unique and kind of weird thing. So I, I think there is a lot of prepping going on. And we've seen that with Mark Zuckerberg recently, haven't we? It's come out about what he's built yeah, I think, uh, well, and that's the one that you know about. I mean, uh, I've, I've, I've seen it reported. I, you know, I, I, I believe that we live in a world, world of uh, word magic at this point, which is part of what my book is about. Um, and so uh, the, the idea that Zuckerberg is building something there is interesting, uh, but there's probably uh, another bunker that we don't know about that's being built someplace else. Uh, and that would my, my guess is that the one in Hawaii is the bright, shiny object that we're all supposed to pay attention to. Yeah, I've got a friend who works in London, and she works for a company who helps people build these bunkers under London, these multi-million pound bunkers and luxury properties mm -hmm. buried under London. And I was flabbergasted when she told me 
the detail. I was like, how on earth can anyone afford these things? Like tens of millions per property underground under London. Right. Well, the, the, one of the things that uh, it took me a long time to get my arms around was the idea that the people that we're dealing with have unlimited money. Um, and, uh, and that's, a, that's a difficult concept for, for people to, to comprehend that uh, m- money is the mechanism that they use in order to control us. I mean, Zuckerberg is worth billions and billions of dollars. So does he really think about what it costs to build a bunker? No, he he specifies what it is that he wants it to be. And then it just create is created that way. All right. So you've got a question from a Nexus. Okay. What, what is the most surprising thing you've learned about those setting up the global government? Um, the most surprising thing I think is the the fact, and and again, it's indicative of the process that I use to create the book, is that um, we are uh, our, our reality is framed with words, uh, and it's a kind of a magic, uh, and uh, I think that we're in a battle right now between people who think critically and people who use word magic, and what do I mean by that? Um, uh, so. Critical thinkers do things like they create chemical substances, like the stuff that you got busted for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then there are fences that are built around these chemical substances with words. They, we call them laws, right? And then those, thing, those laws are, ma- are, are managed uh, with violence. Um, and so it was actually the reason that you wound up uh, going to jail was because somebody wrote words down uh, that were enforced by somebody with a gun that wound up putting you, incarcerating you, right? Um, And so um, the idea uh, that uh, words are used as a uh, a way to mentally frame us, to to magically control us is is kind of my main takeaway. I took a book that was a verboten text and I put it through uh, a language engine. And one of the things that I think that people misunderstand about AI is that um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend, for example, that you use uh, GPT uh, as an encyclopedia uh, because the the knowledge base that it has been trained with is probably on the equivalent of something like Wikipedia. But it is a really brilliant uh, language engine. That is, um, I've studied linguistics, I've studied neurolinguistic programming. It knows neurolinguistic programming. So it does a very good job of playing Tony Robbins if you give it the right prompts. And so um, one of the things that, you know, what I did with the book was that um, I took something that was a forbidden text and I transformed it into something that anybody can read and understand, you know, what the power elite are trying to do um, in, in, in a way that's kind of non-confrontational and very academic. Um, that's magic. And um, the same type of magic is used in order to frame our realities everywhere. So, so Fred is asking whether the global elite have the cold-blooded consciences of reptiles. I, I, I think that they um, think of themselves as magicians. Um, so, you know, I, I think of uh, Mickey Mouse in that movie Fantasia. And they think of themselves as having the ability to uh, get large groups of people uh, to do whatever it is that they want. Uh, and that requires a soci- I think that requires a, soci- a certain amount of sociopathy. That is, you have to, you have to have a lack of, of empathy to be able to achieve those types of things. So I, I do think that they have a lack of empathy. 
I mean, how do these people sleep at night when they're profiting from war? You know, we've seen all these in this era now, we see all these images of people getting injured or corpses getting picked up. And these defense companies that are making billions off it, how do these people sleep at night? Are they just so far removed from how normal people think that they can profit from that and think it's okay? Well, your channel covers a lot of the horror that people uh, suffer. And I think that there is a process. There's an alchemical process. I think Michael Hoffman talks about this a lot, um, where these people uh, kind of dehumanize themselves by going through these processes. That's they're, they're not only initiating the victims, they're initiating themselves and they're training themselves that's the that's the point of the skull and bones, right? The 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 mythology of the skull and bones is that, uh, you know, uh, they hold up a skull and they say, "Is this was this person a prince or a pauper?" You know, you can't really tell. And the and the lesson of that is that we all die, right? And so if you understand that we all die, and that uh, your life is what you make of it, that's kind of the secret knowledge, right? Then uh, you go through all of these different dehumanizing events that wind up having uh, the alchemical effect of uh, turning you into a sociopath. Wow. All right. So next question is, you discussed the transition from religious beliefs to materialism as a strategy of the power elite. How does this transition impact modern societies, particularly in terms of moral and ethical standards? Well, I, well, we can see it. I think that uh, if you if you take uh, the the Harvard Business Business School definition of uh, a word like culture, culture is the values and the processes that a society uses in order to uh, keep the that that culture within the bounds of what we know as liberty, which is uh, freedom within limits. And uh, when you uh, a, a religion uh, provides the the uh, values and processes for a society. So when you switch people from a religious internal mechanism to a material, uh, then you use freedom in order to expand the limits of, uh, of, of culture beyond the limits of liberty, uh, which winds up creating um, a, a problem for society to be able to manage. You wind up having conflicts over things like abortion or gay rights and things like that, that put use freedom as a mechanism in order to disrupt society. So um, you have to unhinge people from their religious belief systems because it's their internal moral compass. Once you disconnect people from their moral compass, then it's very easy to use freedom in order to kind of cause chaos in society. That's scary. We've got a question from Jan C. If everyone got together globally and concentrated on thinking of a positive outcome, would that ruin the magic as in what the power elites are up to? Um, I think I think it's more important to think critically uh, than to think positively in that um, uh, the, the, the mechanism that they use is storytelling, um, that they they create these stories uh, that don't have veracity uh, in order to convince uh, large groups of people to go in one direction or another. And um, coming up with another story isn't necessarily the best solution. Uh, training yourself to understand that they use things like uh, dichotomies. For example, uh, in the United States, we have a Republican and a Democrat party. 
um, that's a dichotomy. Um, what it does is it takes the total solution set of, uh, of any potential problem and it reduces it to only two choices. Whenever, whenever somebody is presenting you with only two choices, there's probably a, a, a world of other choices out there in the uh, that you can that you can choose from in order to be able to uh, make uh, a logical decision. So replacing one story with another isn't really the, the, the key here. The, the key is learning how to think critically and understand how word is words are used as magic in order to control us. So do you think that Republican versus Democrat is an illusion of choice? Uh, yes. I think it's, I think it's fake and it's been, uh, it, it was, uh, it, it's arguable how far back we go. Um, I, I, I kind of think maybe John Adams was the last uh, uh, freely elected president in the United States, uh, because it took the British, um, a few years in order to figure out, uh, the, the mind game in North America in order to be able to regain control of the United States and ultimately, uh, the Federal Reserve Act and the I, the creation of the IRS in the United States was the uh, uh, City of London uh, retaking control of the United States. You got a question from Rebecca. So they want to be sociopaths by ritualizing torture to numb empathy to a point where they run the world off of their own hate and trauma. I. I I, I think that uh, if you're empathetic, I don't know if you're running on hate. I think that you're running on uh, a lack of empathy and uh, cold-hearted logic, which is in a lot of ways even scarier. Question from Fred. Can you talk about what McLuhan meant by the slogan, media is the message and is human behavior a perfected science? Uh, two questions. Uh uh, and so leave it up. So I remember what the second one is. Okay. Uh, 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 the medium is the message means that the medium that you're uh, that you're using dictates how uh, messages can be communicated. So, for example, uh, we have 30 minutes on YouTube right now, uh, which we can use in order to uh, get our messages out. Our messages are constrained to. Uh, the shape of the screen, the number of pixels, and the number of minutes uh, that we have in order to uh, uh, promote that message. So if you're trying uh, to get a, a, a complete view of the world, uh, if you're trying to get a complete understanding of my book, it's probably easier to read my book. Uh, if you want to understand who the person is who wrote the book and why he wrote the book, then this, this, this video is the, is, the, is the correct medium. Um, human behavior, uh, and is human behavior a perfected science? It's getting perfect. Um, it's not perfect, but, um, uh, one of the things that's interesting about the process of going through this book is that I don't think that the, the, the technology and I, the definition of the word technology that I use is the, is a, a, an invention or a, a process for doing something better than you could do it before. I think my book is a technology that's three thousand years old. Um, I don't think that it's uh, I don't think that it's new and it's dependent on electronics or or anything like that. That said, uh, being able to uh, reframe people's belief systems or their their realities using words um, is uh, is a pretty perfected science. And I think that if we think of 
words as magic, if we think of money as magic, if we think of violence as magic or chemicals or medicine as magic, um, then we start to have a better idea of how the people who control us uh, are thinking about things. They want us to believe that it's Wizards of Waverly Place or it's uh, Harry Potter, that it requires uh, magic wands and things that we can't see. But the uh, the secret that they don't want us to know is that magic is everywhere. It's being used against us, and we can't see it the same way that fish can't see the water that they're swimming in. <laughs> I was contemplating this the other night, this question from Harry. What is the Black Swan event we need to look out for? Please give your thoughts. Um, well, I, I heard Jay talking about the cyber attack, and there is a guy that you might want to have on your show named uh, Robert Edward Grant. Um, and Grant claims, uh, and I have a video that I watched of him doing this. Um, Grant claims that um, he has found a backdoor into public key encryption, um, mean, meaning that um, the encryption system that is used to uh, uh, protect every financial transaction on the Internet um, is, has got a backdoor built into it. Uh, and what's interesting is that his solution to public key encryption involves a right triangle, so so uh, a a basic geometric formula. And the name of the of the program that Klaus Schwab uses regularly is called Cyber Polygon. So I think that the the gorilla in the room is that there is no real encryption on the internet. That that is a magical spell that has been cast on us. And that when they when the when the cyber attack winds up happening, it's going to be because they built a backdoor into encryption when it was created in the in the 1990s, and that um, all of the things that we think of as being protected on the internet are not. So I think that that will be the key to the Black Swan event. So ICU is looking for your book presently. Stealth, Power, and the Illusion of Democracy Using AI to Understand the Puppet Masters. That's correct. That's the book. Yep. I assume that's available worldwide on Amazon, is it? Indeed, indeed. All right. So the principle of educational brainwashing suggests a deliberate weakening of critical thinking in education. How do you view the current state of education in this context, and what implications does it have for future generations? Well, I think at least in America, I'm not sure about Great Britain. Uh, in America, the education system uh, was starting to be compromised in uh, around 1910. Uh, uh, it really got going with uh, Carnegie and Rockefeller backing. But the the main idea here is that um, uh, we 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 hold in the United States we hold people up like uh, Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson as these kind of super brains who were much smarter than we were. But the reality is, is that they had a different education than we had um, and that they were taught critical thinking skills as part of their uh, core foundation uh, of, uh, of education. Um, that has been replaced in the West uh, by uh, uh, rows of people sitting uh, in classrooms, uh, memorizing things, kind of rote repeating things, and then getting... Uh, tested on the number of things that they can memorize. Uh, people uh, at, at the higher levels of Cambridge and Oxford um, and uh, some of the American Ivies uh, uh, go through a different process where they actually learn critical thinking skills. And, uh, and so what's really been lost 
uh, for for most of humanity is is critical thinking and critical thinking uh, doesn't need to be a really complicated thing. It's part of what I'm trying to tackle in my next book, Reframing Reality, is that uh, the, uh, the the big idea uh, that will uh, help people figure out what to do next is simply understanding what the right questions are that they need to be thinking about. And as I alluded to earlier, uh, simply confronting any situation where you're only being given two choices is a good place to start. So do you think TikTok is playing a role in that by dumbing down the American population, showing mindless activities versus China, showing the kids more educational videos? Well, it's, 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 again, it's the storytelling, the, the battle is between storytelling and critical thinking. And what the storytellers do is they can c- continue to come up with more and more advanced ways to tell us stories, because as long as you're consuming a story, as long as you're becoming involved in this magical experience that is, uh, you know, the suspension of disbelief, you're not here in the in the real world. There's there's no scientist that ever invented anything that was watching television while they were doing it. Uh, critical thinking and science requires uh, considered thought on things. And as long as you are being distracted or distracting yourself, uh, then you you are not using your critical thinking skills. So, Peter, are you worried about what's coming, or do you have your own bunker? Um, no, because the only thing that I can do is work on my own ability to, uh, to manage the world using critical thinking skills. And, you know, my, my, my mission at this point, I've got, I've got a, I've got, uh, uh, three children and I'm worried to death about their critical thinking ability. And I'm doing everything that I can in order to get them and, uh, the people around me to understand that they can figure out a way to solve the solution, but unless they're thinking critically, again, picking a different story, picking a Donald Trump instead of a Joe Biden is not actually going to solve this problem. Do you think the internet enhances the young generation's critical thinking skills? Because they have access to so much more information that we didn't have access. I mean, when I was growing up, we had three television channels BBC One, BBC Two, ITV, whatever they said was the standard in the news programs. Uh, you could go down the library and, and get some books, but now these kids just can, you know, they can read anything. Is it, is it, does it enhance critical thinking spells or is it a double-edged sword? It can, it can. It's a tool like anything else. You know, it's a hammer screwdriver question. Um, if they choose to, to you, if they, if they want to consume porn 24 hours a day, it's not going to be a good thing. Uh, if they use it uh, to be able to enhance their ability to think critically, then it is a good thing. So, uh, you know, uh, this is why um, the the destruction of the family, this is why uh, the, the loss of moral compasses is so important, because if you have a moral compass, if you understand that you want to use this tool in order to enhance your critical thinking skills, then it's going to be a good thing. But if you uh, let yourself get distracted you know by the kardashians then then you're going to be in a world of hurt so if there's not complete nuclear armageddon then if we discard that scenario do you see them shepherding us off into kind of a hunger games type society 
uh, divide and conquer is the age old or divide and rule is the is the age old uh, technique that they use. So, you know, uh, sports ball is part of it. You know, get uh, uh, conditioning people to pick a team is part of it. Conditioning people to pick a side or pick a uh, uh, pick someone is 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 part of that. And the only way around it, like I said, is to kind of uh, uh, understand that. Uh, we all have something in common. I mean, the the inhumanity of what's going on in Gaza, for example, is uh, uh, is something that we can use as a as a rallying point for humanity to 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 point to that and say, hey, that's not okay. But um, as as long as we're picking a side, we're saying it's okay because this group of people is doing it, but it's not okay if this other group of pe- people is doing it, which is the scenario that they're setting up. I mean, you asked me earlier, yeah, there'll be a cyber attack and then uh, there'll be World War III in the East. And in order to get support for it, there'll be then there'll be anti-war riots everywhere. And then they'll roll out the uh, Muslim extremism in order to put all of the anti-war people back in their box. If we understand that that's coming and we use our critical thinking skills in order to be able to to question uh, the false dichotomies that we wind up being presented with, then I, I think we have a chance. Fascinating, Peter. We've only got one minute left. Final question then. Elon Musk in the InfoWars, force for good or bad? What do you think? Um, well, I think, like I said, I think that uh, we're in a battle between, I think that Elon is a critical thinker. And as I used my in my example earlier, the critical thinkers wind up getting boxed in by word magicians. And I think that uh, Elon is in this conundrum right now where he is a critical thinker who's been boxed in by word magicians and he's trying to figure out a way to get himself out of it. Uh, it's an it's an old story and we'll see if he, uh, if he makes good on it. Thank you, Peter. Really appreciate you spending time with us. Can you tell the viewers where they can find you and support you and get your book, please? Sure. If they go to the dukereport.com, that's my website. And there's a link right at the top of the page uh, where they can get the book or they can go to Amazon and they can type in stealth power and the illusion of democracy and they can get my book. All right. You take care, my friend. Cheers from London. Thank you, thank you Sean. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. 